So who would win a fight between a, a, a grizzly bear and a Siberian tiger? Oh, is there a, is there an answer to this, or is it just my opinion? Well, you need to defend it. I think you, <laughs> I think you can see them on the bows of YouTube, but if you look hard enough, but I'd probably go with beer. Good. That, that's mine as is well. Is it? Yeah. 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 I yeah. just feel like they're just they're just bigger and they've got more range of movement, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. More wrestling capability. Yeah. Yeah. And so, as the tiger was pouncing at them, they could just smack yeah. them out of the way and yeah. then sit on them. Exactly. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the First Solution Podcast. This series brings you interviews with leading personalities in the Southwest, talking about a wide range of topics including business, tech, sport, sustainability and more. Today we're very excited to bring you a very special guest, another than the England scrum half and Gloucester rugby captain Willie Hines. Willie was kind enough to pop into the First Solution Towers last week after a training session and have a chat with a couple of rugby noises in Nigel Church and myself Paul Hillis. With the rugby season about to recommence on the 15th of August, we've got Willie's view on Gloucester's plans for the rest of the season with a new coaching team, player welfare and the impact the pandemic will have on rugby moving forward. We got to discuss Willie's amazing World Cup and his journey with England. We also got to find out who is the fastest between Johnny May and new sensation Lewis Rezamit, which was quite a scoop for us and will no doubt spark much debate and controversy. Willie is a real gent and it was a pleasure to have on the podcast, so we hope you enjoy. It's, uh, it's been a bizarre few months for everyone, hasn't it, you know, in all walks of life and, um, you know, we're just, we're stoked now to be back as a team, training, um, we've spent the last three weeks sort of in small groups of eight or nine, running up and down the pitch, trying to get ourselves back to a reasonable level of fitness. Most guys have turned up pretty good, a couple that probably got a little bit to <laughs> little, <laughs> still got a little bit to go, but we won't name names. Oh, <laughs> and shaming. Right. Can we guess? <laughs> I'll nod. No one can see it. Um, but no, everyone's everyone's in, in pretty good spirits. And then this week we're just starting back in some actual rugby training, which has been awesome. Right. Yeah. So, so it's a full contact. Yeah. As well, a big group. Yeah. So we've been split into two groups of a, approximately twenty. Um, might be just under because we've, we've obviously had a few departures. We've got a full squad at the moment, but um, yeah, we're, we're sort of in two groups and first week is sort of reintroduction into some contact work. So mostly against bags, um, not too much bone on bone just yet, but I'm, mm. I'm sure that's coming. We did a bit of did a live breakdown stuff yesterday um, and woke up this morning <laughs> back and oh. necker in pieces, but yeah. um, I'm sure we'll get back to it soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. 15th of August, is it? Yeah, 15th of August, yeah. I was just looking on the calendar this morning. I think like, in terms of training days, we've actually only got maybe just over 20 training days until we're playing. So it's going to come around quick enough. Like We need to make sure that we're getting getting what we need out of each each day, really. Yeah. Mm. How, how long would a normal pre-season conditioning time period lapse before you went into your first full contact what, yeah, I think how does it differ give or give or take it's usually around six to eight weeks okay um so it's actually pretty similar time frame different yeah. the difference being is that we've had pretty much three months off before that as well mm. so um you know you can see it and guys that's everyone's just a little bit rusty this first week with the ball back in hand but um, you know we'll get there. It's, Chris um, bags for hands. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, some of the front rowers. <laughs> like, like I've never seen a rugby ball before. But no, it's not too bad. And um, yeah, like it'll it'll come back quick enough. Yeah. So is there any um, any view on what the season's going to look like? Is it because I've heard like there's going to be a couple of games a week? Yeah. Like nothing. That? Unfortunately, nothing's nothing's been confirmed yet, which is a little bit frustrating for everyone. But um, at this stage, what I'm hearing is that we've got something like seven to nine games or something like that within the space of about five weeks so there's going to be some midweek games um so that's going to mean that the squad's going to going to need to be used everyone's going to have to have a run at some stage um so there's going to be a fair bit of rotation i would think um and then after that mm. there's obviously going to be playoff and, and final and then again nothing confirmed but the from what i've heard is that we may be having about Depending if you're in the finals, you'd have probably four weeks off and then the new season starts. Or if you don't make the finals, you'd have about six weeks and then the new season will start. So it's, um, yeah, rugby, once it is back, it's going to come thick and fast, which will be quite cool. 
Because I thought I'd heard that they were trying to equalise the southern and northern hemisphere to give us this global calendar that makes everyone a bit more money, uh, gives the opportunity for players to have a more realistic rest because everyone's resting at the same time. Is that is that not going to happen? Or well, again, I, d I honestly don't, don't know. know really. um, but it would make sense to try and line things up a bit more, wouldn't it? Um, but you know, there's there's so many different factors at play in terms of um, you know when when certain club teams want games on mm. for, for for various different reasons. Revenue probably a, a big big part of that. Um, so whether or not they can actually come to an agreement where everybody's happy um, remains to be seen. I've heard it's <laughs> our French friends down on the Côte d'Azur don't want to play in the heat of summer, which is I guess is fair enough. A eh? you know, yeah. I mean when, in the yeah. I mean, you always see the tries flying, don't you, when the weather gets warm. Yeah. So there's a good case for it being a more exciting game, but I think a lot of the tradi traditionalists wouldn't want to lose the, the the muddy, rainy night in November, do they? So. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's arguments both ways, isn't there? Personally, I think I think it would be great to shift the season a little bit, and, and I think you're definitely, like you say, you're definitely going to get a bit of product through the through the uh, the summer months. But as you say, beauty's is in the eye of the beholder a little bit. Some people love the the real grinding out wet weather footy as well. Um, and, and one of the other arguments I heard for, for more summer-based rugby is that you're not competing with football so much as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, potentially yeah. you're going to get more viewers in, which which could be quite could be quite cool as well. Could so. be the death nail for cricket, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think surely it could be shared, though, can it? Like, yeah. you know, that that two completely different sports. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, do you think? Because it was, I think I've heard, and I think it's an excuse that the handling in the southern hemisphere, although I think it's catching up here, but the the handling in the southern hemisphere and the skill level was higher because the weather was better. Mm. But then you look at, you know, it rains quite a bit in New Zealand day eh, as well, doesn't yeah. it? So, what's your view on that? Yeah, I've, it's it's funny. Um, certainly, when you live in the in the southern hemisphere or in New Zealand, there's probably a perception over what the skill levels like in the in the northern hemisphere um, but once you actually get up here and and you experience it and you're amongst the you're amongst the competition and, and, and the squads I don't think there's actually too much in it I would say that the the conditions definitely play a part like when you when you're playing through November December January bit of February in in the in the northern hemisphere conditions can be pretty horrendous at times and that does make handling difficult and I don't think you play in those sorts of conditions as often in the southern hemisphere, the way Super Rugby structured, so that's definitely one reason. Um, I would say in New Zealand, one of the other reasons that potentially they might have slightly better handling is that, you know, certainly in New Zealand, I, I can't really speak so much for Australia or South Africa, but as as young New Zealanders, you you grow up playing rugby in the winter and touch rugby in the summer, so you've constantly got a rugby ball in your hands all year round. Um, whereas it's probably a little bit different in in the north, isn't it? Um, cricket's probably a bit more of a popular summer sport, um, so that, that might be one other reason as well. I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because the weather was bad at the beginning of this season, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and I think I can remember being at Dalek Kingsholm and thinking, mm, you know, what we were doing, the skill level that we were seeing mm. last year that saw us ending third, we weren't seeing on the pitch. Same players, same yeah. you know, same everything. But the weather was just worse. I yeah. mean, because it, I think it rained miserably for the first four premiership games. You That's know, right, yeah, 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 that yeah that's a good, good observation. Um, and that was something that you know we spoke about, sort of upon reflection. Probably frustrating that we didn't adapt as much at the time. But right. clearly, you know, the last few seasons we've wanted to be a team that bases their game around possession and, and running with ball in mm. hand. But you can't be naive either, you know. And when conditions are are bad, it does become difficult to play that sort of game all the time. There's a you know there's a balance to be struck. Doesn't doesn't mean to say you shut up shop and you just kick everything away oh, when it's yeah. wet. You can still play, but you've got to pick your times. And if you're not getting momentum and you're not going forward, that sort of game plan can become quite difficult. So yeah, um, yeah I think that balance is something that we we definitely didn't get right at the start of this yeah. this last season, whatever season it is. Perspective on time. So um so George has just arrived at the club. Yep. It's big news. Um so what's that been like? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a probably a bit of a bizarre introduction to him or for him coming into the club. Um, he's got plastic gloves on and a and a mask on at all times, so we haven't actually seen his whole face yet. <laughs> he's a <laughs> handsome chap. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, he's, he seems to have settled in pretty well in his first couple of weeks. Um, I think he's um, you know a really exciting exciting young English coach, which is cool. I think that's a that's a good appointment for us. Um, and just excited to see what he can do. He's obviously got a strong focus on on Ford's play and and some of the work that he'd been doing with with the uh, London Irish pack was was pretty impressive. So mm. hopefully he can come in and um, you know make a make a real improvement with our pack as well. Um, and just seems like a like a top bloke. I've only had sort of had one kind of one on one chat with him, but pretty straight shooter. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with him, which is which is cool. That's that's what we're after. Excellent. And so, what's what's the what's the ambition for the rest of the season? What, what is there any goals you, that the club wants to achieve? Yeah, I mean, we haven't so far. We haven't actually sat down as a whole group and and kind of discussed that. It's um, just logistically, we, we haven't been allowed to do that really just mm. yet. Um, and obviously, with George coming in, um, we've kind of got to give him time to, I guess, come in and, and diagnose the place a little bit and, and see where he thinks we're at and 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 where we can get to. So, you know. Like, like we've mentioned, the the first half of the season hasn't been at a level that we're that we're happy with, and and we we, we clearly want to improve and and make sure that we're pushing up higher up the table. Um, and if we can get back to rugby and, and we get the opportunity to finish all these games out, there's no reason why we why we can't achieve that. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess the the short answer is we haven't actually discussed it properly, but that would be my my initial kind of yeah, thoughts on it. Fair enough. Right. Covid's impacted the sport dramatically. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you got any views on what the future of rugby might look like, medium and long term? Big question. I know it's a very big question, isn't it? Well, uh, they've reduced the salary cap, haven't they? Yeah. You know, and I, I get the sense that there's a realization, uh, and, and certainly with the CVC investment as well, that there's a realization that as a sport, it's not football. So it can't sustain itself off the wealth of a foreign country or an individual. Mm. So it's actually, you know, the, it's incumbent on the clubs to get themselves into a position where they're making money, you know, and they are sustainable. They're not loss-making organisations. That's the sense. That's that's the sense that I get. Otherwise, you know, COVID comes along and it bears in full technicolour splendour the sport's vulnerabilities. Yeah, you know, which is really mm. yeah. I think that's that's probably a a pretty fair summary of where things are at, and and those are the sort of conversations that have been going on at you know between players and 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 the club as well um, across the board. I think it's it's a little bit of a um, a difficult thing to kind of speak about because different clubs are in really different positions, mm. and and what the you get the feeling that what the league are trying to do is level the playing field a little bit, but in doing in doing so, the the way they've gone kind of gone about it, I don't know if they've achieved that. If anything, it feels like the 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 gap could be widening for for some of the clubs that don't have the resource of resources of of those other clubs. Um, so it kind of remains to be seen whether or not they will achieve that by lowering the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's an obvious thing to do, isn't it? But yeah, sometimes yeah. the obvious action isn't the isn't the right one. Yeah, I mean they. From from my understanding, the the PRL um, weren't initially unified in in the the thought of everyone wanting to lower the cap. There were some clubs that were pretty keen to keep the cap where it was. Um, in the end, they came to an agreement that they would all support that, but gave. But gave clubs a mechanism to still spend up to the the previous cap if they managed to get some deals done by a certain date. Um, so it's it's kind of left some clubs in in this position and other clubs in this slightly better position. And um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to play out, and, and I guess we'll see what happens with that over the next couple of years in terms of um, the spending levels and and whether that corresponds to certain performances on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, as we know, it's a devil of a thing to police, isn't it? Yep. I mean, if not, you know, it takes a whole series of events to 
kind of uncover what was happening at Saracens. It, even though everyone knew, it still took a whole series of events, you know, quite significant events to get to that point. So it's a devil to, it's a devil to police. So yeah, it's oh, look, it's a probably a highly complex thing, and mm. it's a, probably above my pay grade to yeah. to fully understand mm. and and comment on it too much, but. Um, I think they they did a pretty um, thorough sort of investigation or um, report into it after everything that played out at Sarri. So hopefully going forward, things are going to be a little bit more transparent and open for everyone. Mm. I mean, I feel for the for rugby players in terms of you know um, good money, but it's not footballer money. It's a hard career um, that could end at any moment. You know, so yeah. I think that. I don't think it's the same thing, is it? As for, you know, well, you're earning loads of money, you can earn less, because although, yeah, it's a significant salary, it's what 15 years at max. Yeah, I mean that's that's max. I remember mm. when I was when I first started out in Super Rugby, like day one, they they take you for an induction day, and um, I think at at the time that was a few years back now, but at the time the average uh, Super Rugby career was four years. Oh gosh. So you know it can it can be all over pretty quickly, whether it's injury form. Um, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Four years. Yeah. That's an amazing stat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people actually joining the clubs and then, you know, okay, well. Yeah. Fine. So yeah. I guess it, and and like you say, it's 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 nowhere near footballer money. And when you're first starting out, you know, the the, the salaries are they're, they're better than average, you know, um, but but they're still not they're, they're not massive. You don't retire stretch, right, yeah. and, and it's probably not until you get a bit older and you've had a bit of longevity and and you've I guess proven yourself that you can start to earn you know a, a good salary but even then that that might only be for a few years you know you, you have the rock stars of the game that earn good money throughout their career and, and rightly so because they put bums on seats but I guess for the more average the average sort of um, professional rugby player it's I think it's it's fair what they're getting and, and I guess it is a difficult we're, we're all in a difficult situation at the moment that, that you know timing's just saying that at, at this stage um, we're all having to take a hit and um, it's not just in rugby but I guess it's for us it's probably highlighted a little bit more because our careers are shorter mm -hmm. yes. so yeah that's kind of the, the general feel of a lot of the players that I've talked to so what's your aspiration after you finish what would you like to what, what would you like to do yeah, look, I'm, I'm still working, still working on that. Yeah. Um, I should probably have a have a clearer idea, but I'd love to stay involved in the game, be it yeah. um, coaching, managing, um, at, at some level. Um, I'm doing some study at the moment towards that in terms of um, just trying to upskill on the, I guess, the off-field side of of a professional sporting organisation, and just try to understand how it works and. Um, so that when that day does come, you know, I've at least got a bit of an understanding and, and you know, I, I, yeah, the answer yeah. is I don't, I don't really know, but um, yeah. trying to, trying Just to figure that out. stay in the moment. game. Yeah, if I yeah. can, or, or if not, um, you know, it might be something else. And, um, but I think you do learn a lot of things within, within rugby around um, being a good professional and that doesn't just need to be as, as a, as a um, sports person, but mm. turning up to places on time and um, standards, standards, dealing with pressure, mm. dealing with people, working mm. as a team, all those sorts of things that Being hopefully will, will be good. Yeah. yeah, I mean Alex at, at Gloucester, Alex Brown is a brilliant example of someone that's you know made that transition. You know, England, you know, good club rugby player, couple of runs out for England, a few runs out for England, team manager. Now, you know, Chief Commercial Officer at Premier, you know, just so you just gotta you gotta you gotta have the dream first, then you've gotta have the wish yep. and then take the action. So what is it you said you're at Salford University? Yeah. It's my hometown that Willie. Is it right? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm doing a doing a, a masters in um uh sporting sporting directorship effectively. Oh, okay. Um and yeah, there's there's quite a it's a, it's a cool course actually, it's just um over two years. Um, and there's probably 80% of the guys on there are footballers, guys that are either ex-professionals or current professionals, coaches, uh, medical staff, those sorts of guys. Then you've got a, a handful of rugby league, rugby league guys as well. Oh right. Um, so there's quite a bit of that up around Manchester, <laughs> yeah, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, especially and then in Salford. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a there's a few of us rugby union boys that have managed to weasel our way on as well. Yeah. So it's uh, no, it's a really cool course and and um, just really up to date in terms of um, current professional sporting environments. Right. So it's cool. What's your engagement with rugby league now? You've kind of mentioned it. Have you have you ever pulled on a rugby league shirt? No, I've not. I, I love. I, I do love rugby league. I love watching yeah. it. Um, it's it's pretty popular back in New Zealand where course, I'm from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, watch watch a lot of it. Love the NRL, and then since being over here, I've enjoyed Super League as well. Mm. Um, but no, it's a good sport, really mm. good sport. I just remember the Iroh brothers. Yeah. Two famous. Yeah. Uh, Tony Iroh. Yeah, yeah. Tough Kevin, as nails on me. Yeah. yeah Centers. Yeah. Gosh. But it's yeah. a good it's a great sport. Like we 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 take a lot from rugby league. They they do some um, some things that are really transferable to our game as well. Um, I think probably the way that rugby league defences have um, have evolved throughout the years have probably led the way, and, and we've taken a lot from that as well. I can remember the first guy, Phil Larder, who was the defensive coach, stepped into the England setup under under Woodward, eh? yep. and kind of transformed England's defensive uh, shape, and that was the start of rugby league's penetration into you know an influence into into rugby union. Yeah, it's only it's only gone on from there. I mean, Mike Ford is yeah. an ex Andy Farrell, Andy yeah. Farrell Ford. They're everywhere now, aren't they? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Sean Long. Sean Long's now at Harlequins. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's. Oh, okay. Uh, he's. I think he's their attack coach. He actually came into Gloucester last year and did some consultancy stuff, and it was brilliant. Just around, mm. um, particularly for our forwards, around uh, running lines, timing, mm. um, all those sorts of things. Ball like did some stuff with the ball players as well. He he was brilliant. Mm. Mm. And of course, we, 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 we must mention Sean Edwards. You know, we can't not mention him, oh, can gosh, we? Yeah. <laughs> be knocking on the door. <laughs> what did he ever do? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, if we can cast our minds back to the 26th of October 2019, <laughs> it's the 63rd minute of the World Cup semi final, and you're standing on the touchline. What's going through your mind? Um, just excitement, really. Oh. Um, it was it was obviously an unbelievable game, wasn't it? Um, the whole occasion was was amazing, um, and I guess we'd just trained we'd trained so hard and so intense for months leading up to to all those games that when you were given the opportunity to get out on the pitch, you just wanted to go out and 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 play your part for the team, really. And um, you know, it was obviously exciting and um, kind of unique and special for me being from New Zealand to, to come up against the All Blacks um, and I suppose you know kind of going through my head at that moment we were in such a good position just don't go out <laughs> don't balls it up <laughs> oh, can you imagine it oh, well, you'd have a lot of friends when you come back yeah, that's it yeah Agent Hines yeah. <laughs> oh gosh well it was a stunning game wasn't it it was like I mean, I remember, I can remember the World Cup final where we beat Australia. Uh, you know, there was some luck in that, wasn't there? You know, you know, Johnny Wilkinson just tackled his arm and that clearly lands the final kick of the game and yeah. wins the game. You know, you need a bit of good fortune for that game, but we just absolutely smashed them off the pitch. How, how does that happen at that level? Be- because it was almost unbelievable. Uh, that uh, is it because the All Blacks folded and England excelled. So you had like a they were moving in different directions. Or, or like... I don't know. I don't know that the All Blacks folded. I think you know everybody talks about um, that. You know we we wiped them off the park, and I, I don't think that was the case. Like okay, you know the the scoreline would suggest it was still a, a fairly close game, um, but I suppose. There's probably a, a couple of things I think. I think tactically, we got things right that week in terms of the plan that Eddie came up with for that game was was just perfect and um, around turning them around. The the kind of mantra for the week was keep them in their box. So we just wanted to keep them down in their own 22, right. put, put the ball on the corners where we can, um, and just frustrate them. Um, and there was there was a couple of other I guess little intricacies within our defence that week that. New Zealand had kind of changed the way they played from pre-World Cup um, to the World Cup where, without boring you with too much rugby detail, instead of 
playing their three forwards off nine, which they'd kind of traditionally done mm. over the last few years. They were pulling the ball back um, in behind to the 10 and then playing the next set of forwards into the middle of the park to try and split the field. And then they'd have Moanga and Barrett right. to kind of um, be that... Coming in from that, fullback. Yeah, that kind of right. double threat um, from the midfield right. But what teams up, up to that point hadn't probably adjusted as well as was... Um, defensively on those those three guys playing off nine they were still probably paying too much attention to them right. so it's a little bit of a gamble if, if you don't pay attention to them they could still play those guys through and, and they you know could make line breaks through there but we kind of um, adjusted our body positions to say right. we're pretty confident you're not going to hit those guys so we're, we're going to get a load of line speed through out the back to where you're playing to your 10 and, and onwards to the next set of forwards and that that to me was was one of the the real crucial things that we did well. We managed to hit them behind the gain line, which you would have seen a lot of um, good mm, collisions behind the gain did. line. I still watch them on Facebook now. It still <laughs> it still makes me smile. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I guess the other thing is you know we we took opportunities as well, which is you, you can have all the game plans in the world. Rugby's about creating opportunities, and when those those opportunities come, you got to take them. And and in big big games like that, close games. Um, you, know, you probably only get one or two. Mm. We obviously had a hell of a start to the game. Mm. Um, you know, Manu scored an, an unbelievable team try, um, and that probably helped with belief and um, knowing that all those plans that we had were were going to work as, as long mm. as every man stuck to his job. Well, I think I watched um, a guy called Squidge Rugby analyse it all. Okay, and you know, he was saying like it almost seems like it's a set move maybe 10 phases but you know win the line out crash Manu up you know etc I, I don't know yeah I don't I don't think we, we we don't plan um 10 phases ahead we probably plan for the first two or three and then once you once you get to that kind of third or fourth phase your your overall team shape falls into place and then it's about decision making within it so everybody's kind of got their area that they're on um, and then it's up to everybody to make the right decision or you know, try and make the best decisions at, at any given time. Um, in terms of starting fast, I think, I think all rugby teams want to start well. You, you often talk about it, you focus on it, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, luckily for us, it's probably happened you know, more often than not lately, but I think one of the other areas that we, we've tried to, to grow, particularly leading up to the World Cup, was just our, our mindset around if things are going well and if they're not going well, how do we respond in those moments? Um, mm. And it's and it's just trying to be kind of level-headed about it and, and just always ready for the next thing, always ready for the next thing um, and not letting things that have happened in the past or worrying about things in the future affect where we're at right now. You've got to avoid disappointment in your mind, haven't you? You've just got to not be disappointed with anything. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the best bits of advice I got off my golf coach, that's a complete exaggeration. <laughs> a, a guy that, you know. You need a new one. Yeah, I do, I do. Don't tell him. And, uh, and, he, said, and he said, just forget it. And, and it's really obvious, isn't it? He said, just forget, even if it was a good one, forget it. Yeah. If it was a bad one, forget it. Yeah. You just got to go to the next one and start again. So just no no thought, no consideration, just clear your mind and go on, go go on to the next one. It's, it can be easier said than done as well. Oh gosh, like, yeah, yeah. Like when you, when you pull something up, like uh, even if it is just a golf or whatever, like it just plays on your mind sometimes and it's hard to let it go. But I think when you've got, when you put some time into that sort of preparation, mm -hmm. understanding um, what your teammates might do in, in certain scenarios or under certain pressures, do they need, do they need help getting out of those sort of funks or do they just need to be left left their own devices to mm. kind of get rid of it just whatever it is it's, it, it all comes down to your preparation really mm. I mean it's a bit mind-blowing if you think about it too hard so you know going back to the coming on in the World Cup semi-final I mean if you think about it, you've got 80,000 people in the stadium or whatever it was millions of people watching <laughs> on telly I mean it's how do you do you block that out of your mind, or you? Yeah, I think if you I think can, if, can you block it out of your mind? I think if you thought about that too much, it would, it would just gone, get on top yeah. of you. You don't really think about it. Like once you, you know, there's always nerves before games and stuff. But once you arrive at the ground and you get out and you start warming up, it's, it is amazing that there's eighty thousand people in a stadium. But you just probably become pretty narrow-minded around what you're doing, and it's just a it's just a rugby pitch for us, I guess, at the end of the day, and mm. we're just pretty focused on that. 
Give me the ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. <laughs> but then, I mean, yeah, but when King's home is roaring, I mean, that has a significant effect. For sure, yeah, and, and absolutely that, that is another side to it. Like, a place like King's home, when, when, we, when we're playing well or scoring good tries and the, the crowd start getting in behind you like it, it is amazing as well so probably contradict myself a little bit but, no yeah, yeah. but um yeah like it is an amazing place to play we're very lucky with our support there for sure mm. yeah what's your favorite away ground favorite away ground in the prem i do love playing down at bath just because it's such a it's such a big rivalry for us mm. um and that it always seems to be sellouts with the it's at Public Zone, Park. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's still good though. The, yeah, the, the atmosphere is always good there when we play down there. Um, but I just think the, the Premiership as a competition, having played and obviously in Super Rugby and in, and in the Premiership, the um, you know the I guess just the the tribalism within the Premiership is is awesome. Like you go to all these quaint sort of rugby grounds like the stoop or yeah. um, six ways is always a good atmosphere yeah, sandy park playing exeter like yes. they're just cool places to go and play yeah. even newcastle on a friday night like it can can be oh, a bit a long way can be a bit <laughs> minging in the middle of winter but it's still yeah. it's still good fun like i, yeah, I just love yeah. getting getting out to these i mean my least favorites i know is the aj bell yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> are they getting a new stadium i think they've got a new stadium haven't they yeah yeah I mean, they share that with Salford Reds, don't they? On the on the rugby league thing, yeah. That being said, like you know, I, I I know what you're saying. The last few years, the atmosphere up there has probably not been as good as around the Premiership. But since they've been going well, um, particularly this season, I think their crowds have picked up and it's actually starting to go all right. And the good thing about the Age of Bell is the pitch is actually really nice. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's a de- really decent pitch. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. They've transformed into a team this year, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what's gone on there? What's what's catapulted them into that position? Because I know there's more South Africans in that team. You know, they're a gang of three brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're three big lugs, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Great moustaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I think the pre- like you know everyone knows that that watches the Premiership. It's such a close competition, and the margins are, are pretty small these days. Um, and and they're just, they're on a bit of a streak at the moment, aren't yeah. they? The last twelve months they've been pretty good. Um, I think that South African influx has has been really good for them. They're, yeah. they're playing a good brand of rugby that that suits those players. Um, but yeah, hopefully it doesn't last too long. Faf's <laughs> <laughs> not bad, is he? He's yeah, sharp, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been he's been awesome and um, probably a player that was kind of there or thereabouts in South Africa. I think he had, he had been capped while he was over there, but since he's come to the Prem, he's just, he's been lighting it up. He's been, been he? really impressive, yeah. And he's tough, tough, like, not a big guy, but um, real dogged, like, does not shy away from anything, throws his body into stuff. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a proper But they've player. got, I mean, they, you've got, I'm going to mispronounce his name now, so maybe you can help me. Hoggard, Hugard? Hugard. At Worcester, Reinhardt at yeah. Northampton. Uh, they're the factory, aren't they? Yeah. And then going back, you've got... Um, I mean, Pienaar was brilliant, wasn't he? Land the West Hazen. Land the West Hazen. Yeah. Go on and on, can you? Who's your favourite? So, yeah. So, go on. Who's your favourite scrum half of all time? Oh, that's tough. I've probably got a couple. Yeah. Um, from New Zealand, like being from Christchurch, uh, Justin Marshall was always a yeah. guy I looked up brilliant. to. Yeah. Loved the way he played. Yeah. Um, He's a brilliant athlete, though, wasn't he? Yeah, super yeah. competitive. Big, yeah. Quite a big guy for a nine. Um you know, some people said he was sort of like having another loose fort, uh, loose forward yeah. on the pitch. Um, so he was really good. And the other guy I actually really enjoyed watching was Dimitri Ashvili, the French left footed yeah, nine. Yeah. Um, I just thought he just played the game. Is he retired now? Yeah, he's retired. Yeah, I think he's a commentator in, in France now. But um, he was just, he just class. He just had class written all over him the way he played. He had really that con- French pomp, didn't he? Yeah. Could yeah. really control the game with his yeah. with his kicking game. Um, yeah, I used to like watching him. I, mean, I think a good cover half. I don't know why my mind always goes to Terry Holmes of oh, Wa- yeah. at Wales. Yeah. I don't. Maybe that's because when I was playing my rugby, and he was, uh, you know, a, he was like another back row, yeah. back row nine. I know he's not going to be everyone's favourite. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many like nines are so different as well, aren't they? Like you've got, 
guys like Aaron Smith, who are unbelievable mm. passer of the ball. Like, mm. you know, I don't know if there's been many better than him. And then you've got um, people like Ben Youngs, who are great runners of the ball as well, can really open a, open a game up with their running game. Um, there's just all, all sorts of different different ones, I suppose, mm. which is quite cool. Anton Dupont, the, the French nine coming through, brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah, good, he's, uh, Well, he's they're 9-10, and Sarak and him are brilliant together, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They're back, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They're back with a vengeance. Yeah. So, who do you think, who are the next two England scrum halves that are going to be coming through, you know, to take your places, really? Well, that's, that, that's a, a tough question to answer. Mm. Um, I think England's got a lot of really good, a lot of really good nines. Um, you know, like pre... Pre-World Cup camps, um, Ben Spencer, Dan Robson were in there and they've, they've both been playing great rugby for their clubs um, for a number of years. And then I suppose the, the, next, the next bracket, the next uh, young guys coming through that have spent a bit of time over the Six Nations in camp as well is uh, Jack Maunder and Alex Mitchell. Right. So Maunder from um, Exeter and, yeah. and Alex from Northampton. And both those guys are, have got really bright futures as well so will we see some more than our whites cleared off back to australia what's that sorry now white's gone back to australia oh, right, yeah. yeah will we see more in the plane more down at exeter i'd have thought so they're, again they've got a, they've got a couple of really good nines down there um his younger brother sam i think okay. he's there as well and then they've got um both scrum halves yeah they're both scrum oh, halves gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um you know they've, they've got some good guys down there um but Alex Mitchell, he's he's going to be a really good player as well. Well, he is he is a really good player already, but he's still a young guy and right. um, he's he's been he's been doing good things for Northampton. He had a pretty nasty injury back back in the last season, but um, since being back, he's been he's been good for them. And now that Reinhardt's left, he, you know he's going to get a lot of game Reinhardt's time. Reinhardt's gone as well as he. Yeah, right. he's gone to France. So okay, um, yeah, we'll see. Have the French done anything with their salary cap? Just. Not that I know of. Increased no. it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's gone up. No, it's whipping all our players. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it's, it's quite the journey from Christchurch to Gloucester, isn't it? I mean, it's an intriguing one. Um, yeah. Did you talk uh, us through that a bit? Yeah. Um, so I played, as I said, I was born and, born and bred in Christchurch and um, growing up, you know, uh, Canterbury and the Crusaders were, were teams that I, I sort of dreamt of, of, of playing for. It's a similar area to Gloucester in many respects in terms of how passionate the people are about their rugby. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on. I mean, because they, they are the premium, they are the New Zealand brand for me. That That, that is yeah. New Zealand super rugby is the Crusaders, but anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah, lucky enough to, to, play for, to play for them for a few seasons and then... Um, I was about 27, 28, and the opportunity came up at Gloucester. And it was something that I was always pretty keen on, like right from a, a young age, I was close to my grandmother who was English, and she uh, she was very encouraging of us if we ever got the opportunity to come and live here, have a crack at it. Is your grand still with us then? No, she's not. She passed away actually in 2008. Um, but but yeah, like um, she was really, really close with us. My grandfather died when I was young, and then she yeah. just lived up the end of the street, so we spent a lot of time with her. Oh, okay. Um, and then met my wife. Um, Kiwi. She's a Kiwi as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've got three kids. And again, she was really keen as well, which I suppose is half the battle as well. <laughs> you got to convince them to, to to ship up and, and move to the other side of the world. Um, and so, yeah, when it came up at Gloucester in 2015 to, to come over here, we're like, well, you know. Yeah. How does that happen? Because how does, how does Gloucester become interested in Willie Hines? How does that how did that happen? Did someone come and send, did they send you an email? Did someone come and knock on your door? Did yeah, it's agents really. Is it just agents? Agents really. Um, so I, you know, I had my agent back in New Zealand and, and I kind of said to him that, and this, this was part of the long-term plan, if I ever got an opportunity in the UK, I'd be keen. Okay. And so, you know, they have their databases and um, all the agents and clubs will be well connected and... yeah. Gloucester probably would have put out that they were looking for a nine. The agents yeah. would have gone back and said, well, we've got a nine. You know, mm. what do you think of him? And then the conversation starts from there, really, between probably in the first instance, the agent and the club getting some footage over to them. Um, but, you know, they, they do their own due diligence, I suppose. Who was coaching and who were the nines at King's Home when you arrived? 
when I arrived. So uh, David Humphreys was DOR, yeah. Laurie Fisher, head coach. Laurie Fisher. And the nines in the squad were uh, Greg Laidlaw and Callum Braley. Okay. Yeah, so mm. I, I, joined, I joined them. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just a case of um, coming in and diving in head first to it, really, mm. like the best bit of advice I got given um, by an old coach um, from back in New Zealand, Rob Penny, who spent a bit of time up in this part of the world as well, just said, go over there and be super positive about everything, not just, not just the rugby, but the living, the weather, just dive in head first to it. Don't don't miss home too much or long for home or get people to send over things from home. Just dive into the culture there um, and you'll actually find you'll probably really enjoy it. And, yeah. and that's what we've kind of tried to do and, and we've loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're doing really well at Gloucester and then all of a sudden the phone rings and it's Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, look, it was, uh, I guess my first taste of it was back end of, the 2017-18 season, I think it was, and we just played in the um, Challenge Cup final. Um, got pumped by a stud, unfortunately, up in Edinburgh, um, and we'd been out draining our sorrows um, after the game, and then woke up on the Sunday morning um, and just got a shoulder tap from David Humphrey saying that um, they're running a, a camp down in Brighton um, and you've been included. Oh, wow. And I was like, bloody hell, didn't even think I'd... I was anywhere near it, so that was that was cool. It was an awesome experience, just to I guess go in and train and and see the level the level that those top internationals were at, and I was I was blown away. I sort of you know felt like I um, I had a fair bit to to work on to be I guess competitive at that level, um, but got through that camp and um, and Eddie was happy with how how I went at the camp, but at the time I was down the picking order a bit. Um, I think the reason I was included at the time was that there were still playoffs happening. Um, in the Prem and so there were a few nines that, that weren't available at the time but still cool to um, I guess get a bit of exposure mm. um, and then because the the, the the challenge cup final Edinburgh, what year was that well that must have been 18 17 18, 17, 18 yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. then the challenge cup against Cardiff in Spain that was the following year just trying to get my yeah 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 it was yeah we lost that one as well Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I mean, that's a game we should have won. We, should, yeah. we could have won that game. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was a yeah, got last a kick of the game, the game. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. brutal. Um, but yeah, I suppose, and then the England stuff kind of went quiet. I, I, had mm. a, I had a bad 12 to 18 months of injuries. I, I was sort of in and out um, with a, a range of different injuries and never really strung together um, a load of games where I guess put myself in contention. And then last season, I uh, managed to get on top of the, the body, touch wood. Um, it's all we, those saunas with 80. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, obviously the team, the team was playing well, playing a good brand of rugby, um, and then got a, just got a text from Eddie out of the blue in, in March saying, mate, like the way you've been playing, mm. here's a couple of things to work on, we'll be catching up with you soon. Obviously, when I got that text, it was... It was bloody awesome and oh, probably lit a fire just for the, the rest of that season just to really knuckle down and, and do everything I, I can basically to give myself a chance. And then um, after the after the semi-final, we lost, obviously. We were on the bus on the way back um, and I actually got a message to see if I was available for the Barbarians game, um, which was the following weekend. Um, and they still hadn't announced the, the initial squads for, for the World Cup training camps. Um, so I had to I had to get the DOI to send a message to see if I was allowed to play in the Barbars game because if you played in the Barbars game you weren't going to be involved in the camps. Yeah. So he sent a message off and they just came back saying no you can't play in the Barbars game you're going to be involved in the camps. So um, yeah it was pretty awesome. Oh, pretty right. awesome to get the heads up and um, yeah ever ever since then it was a it was a bit of a blur to be honest but I just loved it, the the environment that that they create within the. England team is, is absolutely awesome. So do you see much of Eddie when you're playing for England? Because he's a special kind of character, isn't he? I mean, we all, you know, anyone that watches rugby or follows rugby knows what Eddie Jones is like, so he doesn't need any description in that respect. But do you see much of him? What, when he's, you know, is he on the, is he on the training pitch? Is he, you know, how involved is he? Yeah, really involved. He's, um, he's very hands-on. Obviously, he's got all his assistant coaches as well, but um, yeah, he's he's absolutely got his finger on the pulse. He's he's out on the pitch. That runs a lot of our runs a lot of our sessions, um, and I suppose one of the areas that 
he is awesome at is just his man management in terms of he keeps he keeps a lot of dialogue open with each individual player. Like I, I genuinely don't know how he does it because you've got forty odd players in the squad and, and he just yeah he <laughs> seem he seems to find a way just little and often just come and have little chats to you about training or about life or just whatever it is just just keeps that dialogue going. You see, I mean, I'm a Man City fan because I'm a football fan as well, eh? Yeah. So and you see that in Pep. Yeah. You know that he's constantly talking. He's and he even does it with the competition, with the comp the opposition's players at the end of the game. Yeah. He goes up and has a chat with them, and I don't know if he gives them pointers or what, what yeah, he does. Yeah. But it's just that constant kind of you're always on, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. You are. Looking. And I suppose you're you're always on edge a little bit with him because of the character <laughs> yeah. he is, and um, but at the same time you know that. He's not just—he's not just having a chat to you for the sake of it. There's there's a reason behind all the communications that he has, and you know, I can only speak on behalf of myself, but mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of the guys are the same. That you do feel the way he makes you feel by the time you hit a game, you f you just feel like you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Just the way he sort of builds, not only you as individuals, but just the team. The way he builds his mess, the way he sort of delivers his messages. <laughs> through the week it's quite challenging at the start of the week this is where we need to be boys this is what we've got to do and as that builds up through the week boys you're so ready to go I've never seen a team ready like right, you boys right, are right, right now and you're just like oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. so it's cool yeah 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 there's a lot there's definitely method in the madness for yeah, sure. yeah yeah because you must have played under a whole host of different cultures eh? I mean uh, I guess uh, Gloucester, you've had three now, haven't you? Laurie, Johan. Did was did Johan replace Laurie? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and then you know now George. Is he unique in that respect? Is he is he stand out? I mean, we need to respect all the other coaches because they're all brilliant in their own sure. right. Eh? But is he unique in that respect? Yeah, I think um, you're absolutely right. Every everyone's everyone brings different things to the table, don't they? Um, I would say, you know, throughout my career, I've been really lucky to be coached by some some awesome coaches like those guys that you've that you've spoken about back in New Zealand, uh, Rob Penny, Todd Blackadder, oh, Aaron Major, wow. um, Matson, <laughs> Scott Robinson. So I've been, you know, I've been really lucky, and and, and they've all been really different. Um, but Eddie just has, I don't know, he's just got something about him, and I think I think often. Um, the top head coaches, they just have something about their personality, their character mm. that's just, mm. they've got that charisma that's quite, um, I don't know, it's quite endearing, You the type of people you want to be around. I, yeah, I certainly yeah, felt yeah. that with, with a number of the head coaches I've, yeah. I've played under. I mean, I, I remember we went to the, Nigel and I went to the Premiership final last year at Twickenham, yeah. and um, we were just walk, walking um, to the stadium through, through Twickenham, and um, Eddie Jones was just there on his own, strolling along the with street. a ticket, yeah. just going to the game with everyone else. Yeah. But the interesting, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he was just you know no you know no bodyguards, <laughs> you know no press, no no pizzazz. But there was a guy, there was a drunk young a drunk young lad, and he and he was being a nuisance, you know. And Eddie turned around and growled at him. Really, it was funny, you know, because clearly he he, do, he said or oh, done something inappropriate, and he just growled at him, yeah. and you could see that. And it wasn't much, was it? It wasn't it was much. Just, it was nothing. It was yeah, a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most a lock. He, he definitely says it how it is. Like he, yeah. he doesn't mince his words, and like for a small man, he's got a he's got a strong, powerful voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So, were you always a scrum off, or did you play any other positions? Um, I've only only really played scrum half professionally. Um, I've covered on the wing a couple of times, probably not very not very well. But um, up until probably about fifteen sixteen, I sort of bounced around anywhere in the back line, um, just yeah, just wherever wherever I was needed really. And then once I got into the first fifteen, um, that's when I sort of focused on just being a nine. Um, so yeah, pretty much since then. What position do you think Paul played? <laughs> Dynamic back row. <laughs> or <Big> ball carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Lift right out. Uh, <laughs> but they're, they're that big, aren't they? So, you know, I saw Ed Slater in one of the parks around here with his kids. Uh, and he, he had another Gloucester chat with him. I thought, 
It would have been. It would definitely have been Fraser Belmain. No, it was it was Mark Atkinson. Oh, was it? Oh. Yeah, but I looked at him and I thought, and it, eventually I recognised him. But because he was like six foot four yeah. and built like a second row, yeah. I was trying to like distinguish him to a second row. Yeah, he is weirdly tall for a twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we remind him of that as well. Of course you do. Yeah. Endlessly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think he'll break through this year? He's been good, hasn't he, for a, oh, for a really, number of years. Really yeah. good. Um, I think I, you know, I can't imagine he's too far away. I think he um, he was sort of in the frame a little bit last season for Six Nations, um, and he's been. I think he's been consistently sort of in the the Premiership dream teams, as he always reminds us. But <laughs> um, he's got he's got a great all round game as well. Like really sil- silky skills, mm. great ball player, lovely show and go. He's like um, the next Will Greenwood for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see that, can't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Physical, good defender, um, and bloody good bloke too. He's, he's yeah, sort of our, he's our, our club clown a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. He keeps the boys going. He's good, yeah, really yeah. good. So, who's the quickest player in the club now? Johnny's mates back. Is it Johnny or it, or is it? Um... Oh, I've got to be careful what I say here. They've, they've got sort of very sensitive. Got, certainly not me. I'm not going to claim that. Um, those outside backs have got sensitive egos. But I can say, based on yesterday's GPS results, which get sent out daily, okay. so the fastest player yesterday was Louis Rees-Samet. Oh, okay. By like point zero zero one of a second or whatever it is. Yeah. So they send out the stats every day. And he did. I did notice that he had the top time. And I was thinking, do I send that on to the other outside backs? But I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm just tantalising over those two and either wing, isn't it? Yeah. Ollie Thorley. Ollie, Ollie Thorley. Josh. Um, well, still right. Charlie Sharples. Still, yeah. still got a lot of good rugby in him still. Um, Jason I love Woodward. Jason Woodward. Me. Yeah. I think I just, and it must have been, you know, clearly it was a pre-trained move, and he'd just come in between the winger and the outside centre. Yeah, you know, and he'd just glide, yeah. you know, and then he'd either score himself or the winger outside him would score. And it, it was just a brilliant move, and I think they missed one and then yeah. hit hit Danny, and it was just yeah, one of our time favorites, and time and time again, and yeah. it, it was just almost undefendable. Yeah. It f- felt like it was undefendable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a move we put a lot of time into. It's all about guys getting their lines right, the timing of the lines. Jace timing has run yeah, perfectly. Yeah. And then it's the decision making. It's got three or four different decisions that you can make on that play. Choices, yeah, yeah. Um, but JC yeah, moves well, doesn't he? Just glides across the yeah, pitch. Yeah, just glides. Do you, do you give your moves names? Yeah. What's that? Are you allowed to say what that one's called? Or is it yeah, I think so. No, that one's called McLaren. McLaren. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll just shout it out from the yeah, stadium. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so I mean, you've played with. So who was the tens at Crusaders then? We had a few. Um, Tom Taylor, Dan Carter, um, Colin Slade, and yeah. Richie Mwanga was just coming through as I was leaving. So Mwanga, those guys. Where's yeah. Mwanga now? Is he... Yeah, he's Crusaders. Okay. Yeah. Who's the... He's tearing it up the other day. I yeah, think he's been there. really good. Yeah. Who's the Kiwi young number 10 playing in the Premiership now? Lima Sofawanga. No, not Sopawanga. Um... Wasps, yeah. He's someone's brother. Oh, um, oh you're um, thinking of Umanga. Umanga, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's born here. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, represents England. Yeah, yeah, he was in the Six Nations squad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, another, wow. another really good young talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh. Yeah. Dan good Dan yeah. Carter, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the list, isn't it, of players? <laughs> yeah, they're all good players, aren't they? Um, Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, cool to play alongside. Obviously, obviously, Dan. He was, um, you know, one of the one of the all-time greats, isn't he? Um, unbelievable operator, awesome professional, great bloke as well. I mean, I think that in the Lions 2005, I think the second test was it the second test. Yeah, Wellington. Yeah. It's just the best performance by a rugby player I've ever seen. Yeah, it was special, wasn't it? Just putting it on us. Yeah, I think like guys like probably the thing that sets him. Him and probably Johnny, apart from the rest, is just their all-round game as well. Like they, they just did everything so well. Their running games were good. Their kicking game, obviously, unreal. Passing games, awesome. Both really good defenders. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah. The defend, the defending. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Owen as well. 
Just forgetting even that playing with Owen isn't bad. Yeah. So. Oh, he's he's been he's been awesome to play alongside. Um, Learned a lot around leadership as well, which has been which has been really cool for me. Um, he's obviously you know different different type of leader, but certainly um, he's a type of guy that you can definitely go and follow. He speaks mm. speaks so well, but backs it up with the way that he plays the game, like super confrontational. Doesn't shy away from anything. Um, He's a winner, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. just see that in the way that he that he holds himself, the way he speaks, the yeah. the kind of um, the standards that he demands in training. Yeah, really, really good. Well, hopefully we'll finish the Six Nations. Do you think that? Do you think that's going to happen? I think yeah. I think the plan is too. We've got obviously got one game left against Italy. Um, I know everybody's really keen to get it finished. We've still got a chance of winning the thing. So, mm. um, yeah, fingers crossed that they can find a window maybe in October, I think, is what the last, last yeah. thing I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot, lot of downtime during this period. Um, so what, what, have you got any hobbies outside of rugby? Stuff you do outside of? Um, well, I've got, I've got, like I said earlier, I've got three kids, so um, not much time for anything. Not too much time. I do love golf. Um, I am lucky now that the kids are a little bit older. Um, I can sneak out for for nine holes every now and then, without too much disruption. So that's that's. Where do you go and play? Anywhere that'll have me. Yeah, anywhere I can get what, on. Hampton, Lillybrook, uh, or yeah, played both of those yeah. fairly recently. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty keen to get on to Mitch and Hampton at some stage. That's oh, okay, really, that's a lovely course. I've played that really last nice. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I've played Painswick a couple of times. Okay. A nice, quaint little course. Yeah. But yeah, anywhere. I just, I just yeah. love playing. So. Right. Yeah. How's the garden looking? Not too bad. We we just sold our place. Um, okay. Just after the lockdown was lifted, so it did give me a lot of time to get the yeah. get the grass looking good and. Life's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plenty of weeding to kill the time, isn't it? Paul has transformed himself into a tree surgeon during lockdown. Nice. <laughs> It's harder than it looks, <laughs> and they're bigger than they look up by when they come down. Just need a sharper saw. <laughs> so, yeah, and I've also got yeah a half-finished garden project with three tons of soil in my front garden that I need to get rid of. Staring at you every time yeah. you come home in the evening. Move me. It's yeah, hell there, isn't it? <laughs> oh dear. If you need a hand, will he? St- <laughs> Thanks, Willie. <laughs> we'll get some of the academy boys around. <laughs> Instead of mopping the stands down. <laughs> so, um, your first solution or a technology company, so I kind of have to ask this, but um, how do you get on with your tech? Um, I could be better. I'll probably put it that way. Um, I'm not too bad. I, I'm certainly, I haven't spent loads and loads of times in front of computers and stuff, but um, I've got the basics down. Microsoft um, Teams and Zoom. I can I can log in. That's a start. Isn't it? <laughs> it's half the battle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Right. Have you been having many of the? They're kind of over now. The the virtual pub quiz, aren't they? I haven't done one for about a month, but they're all the rage for a little bit. They were good, weren't they? I did. Um, we actually started doing some with my family back in New Zealand. Everyone yeah. would take a turn to run one on a Sunday morning, or Sunday morning for us, Sunday night for them. But yeah, a good crack, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. that was cool. We had a company one, didn't we? Well, I did. I did a load. I became a quiz master. Did you? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a massive effort because you've got to write like sixty questions. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be, uh, be careful that you're not repeating a load of them as yeah, well. Yeah. The and then you need to <laughs> develop the links between each of the phases. And yeah. well, there's so many. It got to the point where I was like, "Oh, I know that because I was after it last week." <laughs> <laughs> like. Obviously, been on the same website. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, which player would you least like to be stuck on a desert island with? And the Gloucester rugby squad. And the Gloucester rugby squad. On the Gloucester rugby squad. Yeah. Um, let me think. I'd probably have to say. I'd probably have to say Fraser Belmain, because he'd eat all the food. Smells a bit, farts a lot. Um, yeah. So that's all you need to say, Willie. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> From the outside looking in, who would you guys choose? Least. Least. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say most. Johnny, Johnny May, because yeah. I love him. 
Do you like Jelly Me? Oh, I think he's brilliant. All right. You'd be entertained, that's for sure. He's quite the character, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, very unique. You got any stories? No, not that, <laughs> I, not that I can tell on here. <laughs> I think I'd have to pick, pick, pick one of the props. Yeah. I might even go with Balmain with you. Yeah. Or... Uh, sure, <laughs> Because I've... I've lived with props myself. Yeah. They're just a breed onto themselves, aren't they? The only good thing about Hans would be that he's like a proper hunter gatherer. Like, oh, is he? Yeah. So warrior. Yeah, he would actually probably look after you, oh, okay. which would be quite good. All right, all right. <laughs> you just sit there and yeah. take it easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So, who would win a fight between a, a, a grizzly bear and a Siberian tiger? Oh, is there a is there an answer to this, or is it just my opinion? Well, well, you need to defend it. I think you, <laughs> I think you can see them on the bows of YouTube, but if you look hard enough, but I'll probably go with beer. Good. That, that's mine as well. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. just feel like they're just they're just bigger and Cause they've got more range of movement, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. More wrestling capability. Yeah, yeah. And so. as the tiger was pouncing at them, they could just smack yeah. them out of the way and yeah. then sit on them. Exactly. Yeah. Fair, brilliant. That's the correct answer. <laughs> you got two, what did Henry say? Bear, I think. He went tiger. Dude, yeah, he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went tiger, but then he went on to suggest that tigers had arms. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> that was him. <laughs> it fell down. So, you're in a battle to the death. You're a gladiator. Mm -hmm. What's your weapon of choice? Um... Um, Trident, sword, probably just some sort of like small machete. Okay. Yeah. Slasher. <laughs> just slasher. I was trying to back myself to get in close and then yeah, just yeah. make one sort of death cut. Brilliant. Yeah. Quite disarming until the last moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. 